Good morning, Calvary Chapel. We're going to go ahead and get started. Let's open up with a word of prayer. God, thank you so much for this morning and this time to gather together to worship you, God. We just pray this morning that all of the glory will be yours and all of the focus will be on you and not on what's been going on around us or what we have coming up or what's been going on this past week. God, just all the focus is on you this morning and we love you. You unravel me with a melody you surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies to long my fears are gone I'm no child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. chosen me love has called my name I've been born again to your family your blood flows through my veins and I'm no
Let's give the Lord a hand, huh? Hey, uh, good morning. Hope you're all doing well. I'm still on vacation. Sorry about that. But hey, if you could squeeze in, that would be great because we have some people outside that want to kind of filter in. So if you would squeeze to the center, that would be awesome. I know people hate to do that, but you know. This is where we get to serve Jesus by sacrificing our seats. Oh, man, Lord. Squeeze to the center if you can. By the way, as we continue to, to grow and as the Lord, you know, continues to bring people from California uh, to Tennessee, <laughs> we didn't realize that there was an exodus happening, but there was, and... I think the entire world, the entire uh, United States feels that, um, purely from California. But, <laughs> but listen, we do need some parking attendants. So if you'd like to serve here in that capacity, help us out, you know, before service and whatnot, we would love to have you do that. We've, um, if you would contact myself, Pastor Brian, Pastor Mike, Brett Clark right back here, just talk to somebody about, hey, I'd like to serve in that area. We really do need your help. And by the way, just in case you come and there's like no parking, we also have an, a, an additional lot up behind us, uh, the Nashville Power Sports building right up here behind us. You can park up there. There's a um, paved path on the back side of the, the property here that you can walk down. You know, maybe if we get here early, the people that get here early should park up there. That would be probably easier. And by the way, um, if, you, if you're not in a hurry to leave, you could also park underneath that barn area over there, and uh, um, there's spaces in there, and then people could park in front of you, which would, you know, give us more parking space as well. So uh, great problems to have, but we want to try and navigate through that, and so we'd need some help from you, so we would love it if you would uh, consider serving in this area. Um, so with that said, I um, just want to welcome you here this morning. I'm so glad to be back from a week in Florida, which was two days of sun, and then the rest was raining. So 
you know, hey, it's all, it happens. But uh, we had a great time with my family. Um, listen, if you're a guest with us this morning, we want to welcome you. There is a uh, card in the seat back pocket in front of you called a Connect card. Fill it out. Take it to our Welcome Center directly across from the main sanctuary doors there. And we uh, want to give you a, a little gift from our church. So come on. Make sure you do that. Fill that out. We want to connect with you. Just thank you for coming to our service and see how we can pray for you. Also, those double as prayer requests, as Mike said last week, you can just write down your praise reports and prayer requests. Put them in our offering box, which is uh, right here in the back uh, corner of the sanctuary. Um, just a couple announcements today. We have our meet and greet directly after the service. So if you're new here today or you're newer, uh, we would love to invite you to stay afterwards. 1145, we'll meet right here in the sanctuary. Uh, for those who want to get to know the leadership of the church, who is the leadership of the church and a little bit about ourselves and give you an opportunity to ask some questions about our church and whatnot. So come directly after the service, 1145 or so. Um, if you can grab your kids right away, that enables some of the people from children's ministry to come out too, mainly my wife. So yeah, uh, that would be great. And uh, we also have some refreshments directly after that for you guys that we'll have in the coffee shop. So uh, 11.45. And then we have our Easter invites on, on the Welcome Center. Do you guys get any of those these today? So grab one and give it to somebody. Pray, ask the Lord, who, who would you want me to invite, Lord? I, I promise you God will put somebody on your heart. And if this is an area where you struggle, like, yeah, I don't really like talking about it, you need to do this. This is a step of faith. You need to grab one of these and you need to say, Lord, I'm stepping out. I want to be used by you. I don't want to just simply exist until Jesus comes back. I want to be used by you. Grab one of these, pray, and ask the Lord who he would want you to give it to. It's not just simply about us trying to get people to go to church. It's about us growing in our faith. It's about us, you know, opening up and sharing who Jesus is uh, with people. So grab one of these. We also have our, um, our, our Passion Week reading list. If you want to grab one of these as well, they're on the Welcome Center. Look like a, a, the, the crown of thorns there. So grab one of those as well. And you can read through Passion Week uh, there. Don't mind that it says on the top, week one and week two. It's only one week last time I checked. Maybe that changed, um, but I don't think it has. And then also just want to remind you of all the things going on during the week. Look at the bulletin. You can check it out. Home fellowships, youth group is going on this week, Wednesday, 6 p.m. The, the marriage uh, study is uh, picking back up this week on Thursday night. So that does it in the way of announcements. If you have a Bible... Uh, Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. We'll make sure you get one. And we are continuing our verse-by-verse -verse study through the book of 2 Timothy. And um, Pastor Mike, kind of going through 1 Peter last week is, is kind of a compilation of what we're talking about as well. Same kind of idea that as we are uh, you know, navigating through these last days that persecution will come and how do we respond to that and, and whatnot. So 2 Timothy chapter 3, stand with me. We were going to read our passage this morning. We're picking it up in verse 10 where it says, You, however have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim of life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and at Lystra. 
which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing that from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word. God, we thank you for giving us 66 love letters that minister to us, speak into our lives, reveal things that need to be revealed, Lord, and you do so many things in your word. We thank you for it, Lord. We don't cherish it enough. We ask you this morning that you would change that. If we are in love with the author we ought to be in love with his writings. Will you help us this morning, God, to fall that much more in love with you through your word this morning? And will you work in our lives, God? We open ourselves up to you now. We invite you, Lord, to change us. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Those of you that uh, knew my dad, he came to church here. Uh, he, he died in 2017, but he, uh, he was not a man of many words. And uh, growing up, I can tell you that he was definitely not a man of many speeches. And I remember one time I was sitting out on my porch and my dad, I was, getting, I was playing football and uh, it was senior year and it was our rival game, you know, against the Crosstown High School there. And Billings, Montana, and I was out on the porch shining my helmet because we had to take our helmets home, and I'm sitting out there, and my dad, and I'm nervous about this game, and my dad comes, and he comes outside, and he knows I'm nervous, and he says, hey, man, how are you doing? I said, that's how he talked, kind of. <laughs> I said, hey, dad. He said, you nervous, man? And I said, yeah, actually I am. And I'm sitting there shining my helmet. I'm thinking, this is, like if there's ever an opportunity for an incredible speech, right now is it. Like I, this could transform my life, change me forever. So I'm sitting there. What's he going to say? It'll be okay, man. And he just walked inside. <laughs> wow. Thanks, Dad. He, he was not a, a man of, he, he was not a man of speeches or anything like that, but there was a phrase that he would always say, and when I came across this passage, it just made me think of my dad and think about what he used to always tell us, and no matter what was going on in our life, you know, the ad adversity and difficulty that would come, he would always say this. He would say, when the going gets tough, the tough get going, and then he would say, Romero's never quit. 
We understand what that phrase, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. We understand that it means that we don't ever lay down and quit. We suck it up and get it done, right? That's what it means. Like you just push through and, and you deal with whatever you have to deal with in order uh, to accomplish what it is that you're trying to accomplish. Well, this is basically what Paul is telling Timothy in chapter three here of 2 Timothy. Timothy, the times are going to get tough. They're already tough, but they're going to get tougher. We, we learned, it, you know, just preceding these verses in verses 1 through 9 of chapter 3, the very first opening verse is that uh, he says, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. You remember what we said about that word difficulty? The only other time it's used in the Bible is association with the demon-possessed men in the Gadareans, from the Gadareans. You remember, Jesus said they were the same word, the difficult. They were demon-possessed. We talked about that diff, those difficult days, meaning dealing with like demonic, you know, demonically influenced times is ultimately what Paul is saying. We can think about just physical you know, difficulties and whatnot, but this is a spiritual difficulty that he's speaking about, and it's directed specifically at the church. Difficult days are ahead. And as we know, things happen, you know, the, 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 as the days wind down, the last days being defined as, you know, the, the establishment of the church to the second coming of Christ. Some say it's the, the birth of Christ. Could be. Nevertheless, that time period is the very time period we live in. So what Paul is telling Timothy applied to him, but it certainly applies to us. As we live in the last of the last days, we are living like the moment, the hand, we're waiting for Jesus to come and he could come at any moment at this point. We couldn't say that even maybe, you know, 70 years ago until the establishment of Israel as a nation. We, no one could really say the coming of Christ is imminent. Now it's imminent. Now it's imminent. Now nothing else needs to happen. So now we see the demonically influenced last moments of these very last days. And I know you feel them. And I know you see them. It was interesting that two weeks ago after I taught that passage, you know, when you, when you start to think about that, the things you notice. I stopped at a gas station. Now, I want to know if you know this, but um, the South is steeped in devil worship. Did you know that? I, I saw a guy wearing an upside-down cross with a pentagram underneath it, black fingernails and all that. You know that, what, what that represents, correct? That's satanic worship. I noticed another guy at Costco wearing the same thing, checking me out. Not literally, but, you know, he was checking me out. You, you know what I mean? <laughs> Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's not get crazy here. But my point is that I do think that this is not something we think about, not something we take note of, that we're like somewhat oblivious to, but it's true. And you can tell yourself whatever you want, but that's not going to stop the demonic influences of today from happening. So if I were you, I'd probably get a little bit more spiritually in tune to that so that I can be specifically praying for 
the things going on in my life and the, and the people in my life because you, you see, most of the time, demons influence people which affect you. And that's what Paul's talking about. He says, in fact, he tells us that the, uh, the times are gonna get so tough that, you know, in these last days that, man, it's gonna, it's gonna suck for people in the church because you're not gonna be able to know who is who. Jesus kind of said something like that when he said, hey, don't pull the wheat from the tares or the tares from the wheat, right? What is he saying? Well, tares and wheat look similar until they sprout up and then you can see one's a weed and one's, one's not. And here's the reality is we don't know who is who necessarily in the congregational setting, but what we do know is that Satan has adopted the mentality that if you can't beat them, join them. And that's exactly what he talks about in verses one through nine of chapter three here. Paul telling Timothy, listen, Satan is going to join the church and he's going to work through people in the church to sow discord, to cause difficulty, to create all kinds of havoc. And he gives us the fruit that we can see. And that's how we know. He says in verse 2, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unpeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. He tells Timothy, avoid such people. How do I do that? They're my, that's my church. How do I avoid those people? What he means is in fellowship. He doesn't mean don't minister to those people, and that's sometimes what we get messed up with. We think avoid such people means that we completely cut ourselves off from those kinds of people and we don't, we don't minister to those people. And in fact, if that were the case, then we would put ourselves in a little Christian bubble and we'd never reach anybody. But that isn't what we're supposed to do. Christians, you are supposed to go in the world, not, not barricade yourself from the world in the sense that you have no relationships to be able to minister to people. If Christians are, are sharing the gospel with Christians, we're missing the point. The gospel is good for salvation. And as we grow in our salvation, then we, we get into the depths of the word of God and it changes and transforms us and we start to continually look more and more like Jesus. But we, we need that salvation point and they need that salvation point. And I can tell you that the demons know that. And they're working overtime in our culture today to stop the gospel from going forward. And Paul knew that. That would be the case. And so he told Timothy, you just got to keep pressing on. Days are going to get difficult. People are going to be demonically influenced in these ways. And they're going to make it difficult for the church. But you need to keep going. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. You don't give up. You don't bail on the church. You know, it's so sad to me. When something happens in the church and it's demonically influenced, somebody has an affair or some, someone does something and, and I say that temptation-wise, that, that there's a lure that's put out and, and we're enticed by that so then we grab onto it and then we get sucked into this sin which bursts more sin in our life. You know, that's the process, but... but you have to understand that the satanic realm is involved in that, that they're throwing out 
um, these lures to draw you away. You, anybody here ever seen Angel Wars, that cartoon for kids? It's like, a, it's like a DVD series about spiritual warfare. If you've never seen it, I mean, it's not 100% accurate, but the idea is there, like you see this, the very first part of this thing is where this, this, ki this kid is going into a store and uh, he, he walks in the store and you have angels sitting across up on this, this ledge of this building looking down into the store and you have demons kind of put into the, the store area and the kid's standing there looking at the candy and he's like, boy, I sure would like that. And you have some influences going, you should just take it. Just go ahead and take it. And then you have angels who come in and kind of, you know, they battle trying to help this person out. I, I kind of think that's what it's like. Not only is there a demonic realm, but there's an angelic realm. And did you know that it's two times bigger than the demonic realm? Listen, you, we, we don't have anything to be afraid of regarding this, but we do need to be aware. You do need, do need to understand that is what is going on. And Paul is telling Timothy, listen, that's going to happen. Not only do we have an angelic army, you know, kind of surrounding us, helping us. Do we have angelic, do we have, um, you know, uh, angels assigned to us? I don't know. Maybe. What I do know is God, that God is my protector and that he'll protect me. And I also know that I have a secret weapon in my back pocket at all times. And it is a four by four, a first John four by four to be specific greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world do you understand that why would john write that because he wants you to understand you're in a spiritual war why would paul write ephesians chapter 6 verses 12 and on that talk about we don't wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness why is paul writing in the last days difficult times will come trying to make us aware of these things because, you know, the greatest deception that the enemy has done is to make us believe that he's, he's not real. That's the greatest deception of the enemy is to make you believe that he doesn't exist. He exists, but so does God. And, you know, what we need to understand that as we work through this, um, you know, the enemy ha has been at work from day one in the church uh, you know, in, in the people of God. We see the very first two people planted in the Garden of Eden. Why did they fall? Satan. He was influencing them. He was deceiving them. Now, I want you to understand that everything that is related to Satan as it relates to the battle that we're in will come by way of deception. He's the great deceiver. It's okay for me to live with my girlfriend. I mean, the Lord didn't really mean that. I mean, that's not, that's not even in the Bible. Come on, dude, seriously? It's not okay. You know what's going to happen. That's in the Bible. Sexual immorality is in the Bible. Don't put yourself in positions that are going to make you fall. That's in the Bible. Oh, come on, you know. The reality of it is that he's at work. He's at work and he's trying to make us uh, fall. But Paul 
as we move now, as he's going through this with, with Timothy and talking about what the church is going to look like in the last days, he, he talks specifically uh, to Timothy about, he exhorts him in these last few verses in chapter 3 about how he should respond to that. And, and I think that the key to understanding the entirety of chapter 3 as a Christian is found actually in these verses and in the core of chapter three, the core verses I believe in this chapter are verses 12 through 14, where Paul tells Timothy, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, Timothy, and you, church, Continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. This is the core of how a true Christian should respond to everything that he's talking about here. We should continue. Continue in what? In what we've learned and, listen, firmly believed. He could have just said believed, but he said firmly believed. And notice he put learned first. You can't firmly believe in something if you don't really fully know it. You have to know it in order to firmly believe in it. You want to be firmly planted, then you need to have a very good understanding of how to do that and what that looks like. Aren't you glad God told you how to do that and what that looks like? He's given you his word. He's told us exactly what to do. The key to living correctly or living successfully as a believer in these last days is to continue. You know, to get going. When the going gets tough, you have to get going. You have to continue in these things. <laughs> the evidence of learning and believing is found in our continuance of this, these things. And that's the exhortation that we find in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 10 through 17. Paul begins here by reminding Timothy the importance of continuing in, listen, first and foremost, godly mentorship. Godly mentorship. Look at verse 10 there. He says, you, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Notice the transitional words here that Paul says, you, however, everything that he just got done saying in verses one through nine, you know, he's now telling Paul, or telling Timothy, you, however, you're not to be like this. You, you should be different. It's a transitional word. He's telling Timothy, you ought to be different than what I just talked about. Y you know, it's interesting that, I, I, that, that Paul, you know, has to instruct Timothy, you, however, this is speculation, but, but here's my concept of what's happening here and why Paul writes it this way. This is very personal right now. Paul is talking in a broad context in verses one through nine. Now he gets very personal. You, Timothy. You, however. I, I think that is because 
of Timothy's personality in the way that Timothy's dealt with difficulties. Some of us, you know, we, do, we all deal with difficulties differently and we're all at different spiritual levels and, and different things, not levels, but you know what I mean, maturity and such. And, you know, we deal with things differently. Some of you get super aggressive when it comes to difficulties and you're going to muster down and you're going to make it work and all these kinds of things. And even though it feels like the door's closed, you're going to force it open. That's how you respond. And yet some people... Uh, respond to these difficulties in a total opposite way where they, they essentially cut bait and run. When the difficulties come, they're like, whoa, 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 I don't want any of that. I'm out of here. And that's kind of how I believe Timothy is. Timothy is one of those guys that is timid, that he's finding it difficult to face, you know, and, and, and address the things that are happening. And so Paul is his mentor Tells him, dude, here's what you need to do. I'm going to tell you exactly what you need to do. You're my son in the faith. This is a father speaking to his son spiritually about how he should respond to these things because he knows his personality. And God knows your personality. And he knows exactly how you'll respond to difficult times. Does that mean he'll keep them from you? No, it doesn't. And in fact, I can promise you that they'll come because of that. Because God wants you to grow. God will see you through and he'll help you through those things, but he, he, he doesn't want you to stay a, a, a spiritual baby. And, you know, as you grow, he gives you more responsibility, but you're in his hand. And he's not, he's not you know, just let you loose to do whatever. He's guiding and he's with you and he's, he'll see you through these things. Paul is, I think, addressing Timothy in a, in a very specific way, which maybe some of you can relate to. Maybe when difficult times come, you want to bail. Uh, you know, and, and I can promise you that difficult times are going to come. And in, in our country, probably in a different way than you even think. And so what are you going to do? Stop being a Christian? You shouldn't. If you stop being a Christian that, because of that, then you're a fair-weather Christian at best. At best. And, and that's what Paul is going to talk about, the, 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 the idea of persevering through these things and, and you know, manning up. And when uh, difficulties come, that, that you don't run away from them, that you face them. And we oftentimes try and face them in our flesh, but we can't do that. We need the Spirit of God. We need to unveil the Spirit of God in our life. So, you know, you're going you're gonna to face these things, but God will be with you and he'll see you through it. And perhaps he's put somebody in your life, somebody you're learning from, somebody you're seeing face their fears and deal with those things. I, th I think that's what Paul's saying. Hey, Timothy, let me draw your heart back to who I am and what I've done and your, what you've seen in, my in your life with me and my mentorship in your life. He, he talks about, if you heard him say, my conduct, my teaching, my conduct, my aim, he's talking specifically and personally about how he has been mentoring Timothy. And he's drawing him back to this place. The first, there's nine different uh, things that Paul points out regarding his godly mentorship to Timothy in these verses. The first thing he talks about is his teaching, 
Which isn't it interesting that it's the number one thing? Timothy, think about my teaching. The, the church was steadfast in what? The apostles' doctrine. It's the word of God first. It's the word of God because faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of God. It's the word of God. You want to grow spiritually and want to be able to face these difficulties better, then you need to grow in the word. It's in his teaching. Uh, Paul tells Timothy, remember my teaching, Timothy. Remember what I told you. Now, where did Paul get his teaching? From Jesus. This isn't Paul telling Timothy what he thinks about God. This is Paul telling Timothy what God said through him. What he took from Jesus Christ directly through revelation, he is now giving out to Timothy. And he's telling Timothy, follow my teaching. If you're following Paul's teaching, whose teaching are you following? Jesus's. The apostles, Jesus told us in the Great Commission, go into all the world, you know, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and teach them to observe everything that I've commanded. Uh, we're all teachers. We all have teaching. We all have some doctrine that we are teaching other people. Where are we getting? I hope it's not from you. I hope it's not from your own mind. I hope it's from the word of God. Paul says, remember my teaching, Timothy. Paul pointed people to Jesus. His teaching always pointed people to Jesus. Listen, you need godly mentorship in your life. I know that we don't like that because it's intimate and, it, and it's, you know, we need, we need to be taught and that, that, that hurts the pride sometimes, doesn't it? No, I don't need to be taught anything, especially guys, you know, we don't need directions and instructions and all this stuff. You don't have to teach me anything. My wife just, she puts something together and I'm like, how'd you do that? She's like, read the directions. I'm like, oh, <laughs> did I learn from it? No, no, I, I didn't. But, but we need a godly mentor. Paul was somebody who taught Timothy what he knew. Not only Paul, but, he, but Timothy also had other mentors that we'll talk about here in a minute. So we're, Timothy, if he wants to be successful navigating through these difficulties, he needs to remember Paul's teaching. Not only that, but he also needs to remember his conduct. It's, it's been said that the best kind of Christianity is not only taught, but it's also caught by seeing an example of what it looks like to be lived out. Conduct, listen, is super vital to the Christian walk. It, it tells us the story of really who the person is. Uh, you know, we can really tell our heart of hearts when we're put in difficult places because that's when it comes out. We can do pretty good pretending for a period of time until, until something big comes in our path. Then it gets real. And uh, then our conduct is shown. I, I think Paul is pointing Timothy to his conduct because his conduct was the same outside of closed doors as it was inside of closed doors. Could that be said of you? Could you point somebody to your conduct? Could your kids verify that you have the same conduct outside of your home as you do inside your home? Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Let's not. That's getting a little sensitive, I know. Consistency. 
conduct inside the home as outside the home? What would your wife say? What would your husband say? Watch your conduct. Paul points to his conduct because his conduct is the same. He tells Timothy, your conduct needs to be the same. He goes on here. Thirdly, he says, Timothy, uh, continue in the same aim of life that I have. What was Paul's purpose in life? To preach the gospel. He says that in 1 Corinthians 9.16. For necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. His aim in life was to make Christ famous, not himself. His aim in life was to uh, make other people rich, not himself in this life. He wanted to make other people spiritually rich, not himself, you know, physically rich. Paul's aim in life was all about the gospel. What is your aim in life, Christian? If you don't know, let me let you in on a clue. It's the same as Paul's if you're a believer. Your aim is to preach the gospel always, no matter where you are, no matter what's, um, you know, whether you're at work or in a grocery store line or at the park or wherever, you're supposed to preach the gospel. You know, and, and we do that with conduct, yes, but we also need to do it with words. And I know the saying, I, I don't mind the saying, you know, hey, share the gospel and whenever necessary use words. It's okay, but we do need to use words. We need to tell people about sin. We need to tell people about Jesus Christ, what he's come to, what he's done for us and the fact how he's trans, transformed your life, Right? What is your aim in life? Listen, if you mess this up, you're going to be messed up. If you mess up the aim, the purpose of what you're living for, you're going to veer off track. You need to understand your purpose. And we talked about this a couple of three weeks ago, I think. What is your purpose? Your purpose is to, make, to know Christ and to make him known. That is your purpose. Nothing more, nothing less. He goes on here. Fourthly, Timothy must continue in faith. This is probably better translated faithfulness. Uh, faithfulness is important in any, any relationship, right? Particularly the marriage relationship. Why do I bring that up? Did you know that if you're a Christian, you're betrothed to Christ. You're engaged to him. Your wedding day is coming. And so in the meantime, what are you to do? Remain faithful. Listen, you, if you're flirting with the world, you will never remain faithful to Christ in your betrothal. If you're messing around with the stuff in the world, you won't be faithful. But he will. He'll always be faithful to you. You know, we need to minimize our unfaithfulness to the Lord. And oftentimes, we put ourselves in bad positions. You know, and, and that's how we become unfaithful. We need to be faithful to the Lord. You are betrothed to him. Don't forget that. Fifthly, Timothy must continue in patience. This is a difficult word for some people. What do you mean? Hurry up and get done already, would you? Patience. It, literally, the idea is more perseverance. It has to do with resolve of never giving in or giving up. That's the concept here. Regardless of the cost, you're to wait it out in difficult times. Oftentimes, our prayer is what? Lord, take me from this situation or 
take this situation from me, right? Lord, just get me out of my circumstance. What if the prayer was, Lord, do whatever you have to do in my life to make me more like Jesus? What if that was the prayer? I think that's what this means, to persevere, to wait it out. Listen, somebody here this morning needs to hear that. You need to wait it out. You need to wait out the, the circumstances in your life. There's a promise on the other side of it that the Lord is going to do a bigger and better thing in your life, but if you bail right now, you won't see it. So you need to wait it out. You need to persevere through it and hear it this morning. He's talking to you. Sixthly, we must, Timothy must continue in love, not self-love. That's what the world tells us to continue in. Oh, just love yourself more. Listen, you love yourself too much. That's the problem. We love ourselves way too much. Uh, you know, we need to, we need to uh, grow in love for the Lord. In that agape love, that, you know, that, that the same love that he has for us, we need to grow in with him. We need to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And then love your neighbors yourself. Where do you fit in that picture? You don't. It's not talking about you loving yourself. Jesus says, listen, you don't need to be taught about that. You, you, know, you know that well. But what you do need to be taught about is the primary love in your life should be God. And the second most important people in your life should be other people. And do we ever focus on ourselves? Of course, yeah. I mean, we, we, we focus on ourselves last. But I promise you, you won't even have to worry about it if you're doing the first two. Everything flows correctly when we start with God and we love God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind, and we love other people the way that we are supposed to, we won't have to worry about anything else. I would say, listen, if you don't get anything else out of this this morning, if, if, you're, if you need one nugget, it's right here. Grow in love. You need to grow in love. As a Christian, you need to grow in love. If you grow in love, you will look like Jesus. And I mean... God's love, not your love, not your interpretation of God's love. I'm talking about genuine, the fruit of the Holy Spirit love, that kind of love. That, that's what you need to grow in. If, if you don't get anything else out of it, you need to hear that. If you don't, then everything you do is just a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Do you know that? If you're not, if you're not doing all that you do in love, then it's just noise. You're just making noise. The Lord wants more for you than that. Seventhly, Timothy needs to grow in steadfastness relating to the circumstances that he's in. This, this is really a word, for I think, for the modern church here today as we're living in times of uncertainty regarding our faith. Like, we don't know what it's gonna look like in 10 years from now or five years from now or two years from now. We don't know. And that freaks people out. It shouldn't. It shouldn't freak you out because we know exactly what's going to happen. Difficult times are going to come. Persecution and suffering is going to happen, period. All who desire to live godly will suffer persecution. Oh, man. Hey, put that on a bumper sticker and see how that goes. <laughs> yeah. We don't like that stuff. 
what is it going to cost us to be a Christian in this country? <laughs> Listen, Christians have dealt with this from day one. And why, does it, why are we struggling with it in 21st century America? Listen, the church will go on. It doesn't matter what comes, so that's why I don't worry about it. You know what? I'm going to be who I'm supposed to be, and I am going to work through this. I'm going to be steadfast in Christ. And it doesn't matter what the circumstances, how, what circumstances happen outside of my control. I can't control any of this stuff. But I trust the Lord. And you need to trust the Lord. Don't worry about it. You just be who you're supposed to be. If you'd worry more about who you're supposed to be than what's going on around you, perhaps maybe you could make the, God would use you to make some major changes. Because last time I checked, no, no sort of Christian movement happened as a, re, as a result of legislation, just simply one heart at a time. And that's what we're after. That's what God's after, one heart at a time. Just share the gospel with people. Be who you're supposed to be with people. Be steadfast. Isn't it interesting that Paul says, hey, Timothy, be steadfast, as he writes this from a prison cell, knowing he's about ready to go to death. Hey, Timothy, be steadfast. Timothy, let me continue to invest in you in my darkest hours of life. Wow, that's what it looks like. Eighth, Timothy must continue in persecutions. This word literally means to systematically organize a program or oppress and harass people. Paul, uh, I think, had a unique understanding of persecution from both sides of the word, right? He was a persecutor and he was persecuted. He was both the one who organized people to go and persecute the church, but then he also has been the res he, he's, he's seen the effects of that organization and um, coming down on him because he is a believer. And so he, he understood that. And I think, I think Paul had a certain kind of a heart for persecutors because he was one once. It's oftentimes those people who struggle with the same sins that we struggle with that we are the most compassionate with, right? Like, oh man, I get you. I understand where you're coming from in that area in your life because I can relate to that. Paul could relate to this. But, he needs, but we don't stop doing what we're doing because persecution comes. You can't do that. You need to continue to move forward. He's instructing Timothy to continue in persecutions. Now, with that said, that doesn't mean you don't ever flee a situation. Because actually this word literally means putting to flight. Do you know that in the very beginning when uh, Jesus died and remember how scared the disciples were and they were all huddled together in the upper room and they were afraid and, and they, they, listen, and then Jesus rose again from the dead and you're thinking, oh, well, hey, they get it now. They didn't. They didn't get it. Peter went back fishing. Andrew went back fishing. They went back to their jobs. Was the gospel going to go forward? Probably not. And in fact, Jesus shows back up and he says, guys, what are you doing? need to get back on track. They get back on track. They start sharing the gospel. What happens? Persecution comes. You know, demonically influenced persecution as a result of the church. What, what happens as a result of that? It's called the book of Acts. The church scatters like it was supposed to in the first place, 
but it scatters as a result of persecution. People are being pushed out of their homes and out of their hometowns, you know, and, and sometimes that's what God has to do to get us to move. You know, he has to make it real simple for us. I doesn't look like I can stay here. I better just go somewhere else, you know. That isn't to say that we flee every situation, though. There are those that we need to be steadfast in. If, you know, it all comes down to what is the Lord calling you to do in that situation? What are you trying to do? What, you know, I, I believe that God calls people to leave certain places and go certain places for his purpose. But he also, at the same time, causes, calls certain people to enter into places of hostility, of difficulty, for the purpose of the gospel too. And so you need to pray and ask the Lord, where do you fit in that? What does the Lord want you to do in that situation? Don't just pack up and bail. You know, be who you're called to be. That means that, you know, you have to be maybe a little bit smarter about the way that you do things. And I think if there's one thing that the church in America should be working on right now, and that's how to be a smarter Christian. How to, um, you know, navigate through different situations and still be who you're called to be. You don't ever compromise and change who you are, ever. But, but a lot of times what I hear from people is the, kind of the exact opposite heart of what I think Jesus would have is a prideful heart that is saying, ah, oh, you're, you're not gonna take away my rights to do that, I'll go to jail. That'll work out for you. Not that God won't call you to go to jail, because he may. But listen, if you're going to jail because of your pride, that's called sin. You know, I think we need as Christians to really be in tune with the Holy Spirit. You know, if all the Christians are in jail, then guess what? We're going to have the same thing we have right now. It's just a church gathering, right? In church. Hey, we're having church. There's no unbelievers here because we're all believers here. You know, not really, but the idea God needs you to be where he needs you to be. Don't put yourself outside of his will by, by being prideful, right? So Paul goes on here, he talks about the persecution that will come. Then he brings us to our ninth and final godly mentorship principle. Timothy must continue in suffering. That word suffering means in pain. In pain. Jesus suffered for you, Christian. That means that you should be willing to suffer for him. And I think that the modern day understanding or concept of Christianity today is this. Christ suffered for me so I don't have to suffer at all. That is not biblical Christianity. That's at best fair weather Christianity, if Christianity at all. Christ suffered, listen, Christ suffered so you didn't have to spend eternity in hell. Christ suffered so that you, he could make a way for you into salvation. He did not suffer for you so you didn't have to suffer at all. And in fact, I love that song, Blessed Be Your Name. There's pain in the offering. I don't love it because I love pain I love the idea of the truth that is the reality of following Christ costs you something. It will cost you your comfort, ease, and pleasure. 
it will cost you that. And if you live for your comfort, ease, and pleasure, you will not be living for Jesus. Because Jesus puts us in precarious situations. He deals with hidden things in our hearts. He is straight up honest with us, and he tells us, you know, really who we are and what we need to change. There is pain involved in being a Christian. And in fact, Paul goes on to mention some of the pain that he's experienced. He says, you know, the, the kind of pain, the kind of persecutions and sufferings I faced in Antioch and in Iconium and at Lystra. Because of Paul's faith in Jesus Christ, he suffered persecutions and suffering as a result. And you can look these up later in the book of Acts, beginning in chapter 13 and on. You can see that at Antioch, Paul was kicked out of the city for preaching the gospel. He's persecuted because he was a believer. At Iconium, Paul was almost executed by stoning. This, these Jews were stirred up in this area, and they wanted to kill him. And then Paul went to Lystra, and guess what? They followed him there. And then they stoned him and left him for dead. And I think I wonder if Timothy didn't see that. I, didn't, I wonder if Timothy didn't, Timothy was from that area. Timothy grew up in that area. I wonder if Timothy hadn't, you know, the fact that he mentions these by name in the region Timothy's from is to draw his memory back to the thing that perhaps he knows the most about. Maybe he was there and he saw that. I don't know. But what we do know is that Paul suffered persecution and suffering as a result of the gospel. When suffering occurs, what do we do? Continue on. You continue on. That is the loudest point of your Christianity in those moments, folks, when you are in dire straits. Jesus spoke the loudest when he was hanging from the cross. Do you know that? And you will speak the loudest when you're in the midst of some sort of suffering and everybody's watching you. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? We don't, we don't try and do the right thing because everybody's watching us. We try and do the right thing in the moment because that's what Jesus wants us to do. And you will speak the loudest to people in those moments of your life, those moments of suffering. And Paul is telling Timothy that. And here's the awesome thing. Your suffering, your difficulty, uh, will provide an opportunity for God to show himself strong. God is looking through all the earth for loyal hearts to whom he might show himself strong. I love what Hudson Taylor said. He said, difficulties afford got a platform in which to work. If there is no suffering, there, there, God's platform becomes maybe smaller in some ways. But it's through suffering. It's through, read the Fox's Book of Martyrs. Why do people get saved in, the, in, those, in that period of time, the first, uh, you know, hundred, the first century? Why were people getting saved? Because they were watching people die for their faith. And people were like, who would die for a lie? That's crazy. These people are suffering for Christ. This must be true. And as a result, the church grew. It's been said, you know, 
persecution, the seed of the church is the blood of the martyrs. The church grows and it multiplies in these times. And after all, what is the worst that can happen to you? <laughs> Actually, whatever that is, because where you go after that isn't the worst that could happen to you. It's the best thing that could happen to you. I love that Paul mentions the fact that in all of those situations, he didn't talk himself out of these situations. It was the Lord who rescued him. The Lord is a rescuer. And here's what you need to know about that is that he doesn't always rescue us physically, but he is always the rescuer. In every cir circumstance and situation, I think of my brother Joe LaDuser who went to go home and be with the Lord a few weeks ago. And was he healed? Yes, he was healed. He no longer has cancer now because he's in heaven. It doesn't have to look the way that we want it to look. But you have to understand, God is a rescuer, and he rescues. And Paul understands that, and he's telling Timothy, worst case, the Lord will rescue you no matter what. He will rescue you. Paul goes on here, and uh, he moved from godly mentorship. He, he goes on to tell us why um, Timothy must continue in these things. And, and he tells us the core of the verses here, which I think is the really the, the, where we find the meaning of what he's saying here. Verse 12, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Paul writes to Timothy and to the church here and he declares a truth that we need to all hear and that is that all who desire to live a godly life in Christ, that means you and I, means anybody who's ever lived or ever will live, you know, pre-millennial kingdom, uh, will, not perhaps, but will be persecuted. Now, this is a promise. You don't find this on the 50 greatest promises of God, you know, kind of things. You don't have this written in your Bible in the back, but it is no less true than any other um, promise that we have in the Bible. Being a Christian costs you something. And that persecution looks differently, right? I mean, for some of us, it means we lose relationships with our family and our friends, maybe, or whatever. You know, for some, of, some people, it costs them their lives. But it will cost you something. Why is it that those who desire to live a godly life will be persecuted? Why is it? Why do you think that's the case? Because when you're in Christ, you're light. And the world is darkness and and in fact, Jesus, you know, he, the light hates the darkness, or darkness hates the light. You know what I got. You guys were right on track, man. You're like, wow, I didn't even have to correct myself. I'm like, yeah, they know it. Jesus said this in John chapter 3, verse 19. He said, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. So the world hates anyone who desires to live a godly life because we are shining light in darkness. 
And that means we're revealing things that they don't want revealed. Like evil. Evil deeds. Things of that nature. These are the deeds of the father, their, their father, the devil, who is the one who has created the, the, the evil in the world and the one whom these people are following. Paul says, notice, evil people and imposters will come inside the church. They will join the church and they will persecute the church. And it says that they will go on from bad to worse. What does that mean? That means the evilness will continually, increasingly get from bad to worse. It's going to get worse. It's a promise here. But here's where it comes from. And this is why I pointed this out earlier. Deceiving and being deceived. The father of lies deceives people in this world, uh, you know, and they pursue evil things. And it's all a result of deception. Why, does, why is that so important? Because truth opens deceptive eyes. You have the truth. So God has deployed you in the world to help deceived people understand their evilness, to help them see that. Some people don't want to see that, and that's okay. I mean, it sucks for them, but, you know, that does not negate our responsibility to go and show people their deception. I love uh, Patty Height, who is uh, a missionary. We'll be hearing from her in a couple weeks, um, updating on us on what she's doing. We support her. She has a ministry called Out of Egypt Ministries. And her kind of tagline to her ministry is out of the depths of deception to the triumphs of truth. Isn't it interesting? She said, when I was in the LBGT community, I was deceived. I was totally deceived. And the Lord shared his truth with me and the scales fell from my eyes and I became a believer. The reality of any given sin in the world, is it's, the reality of it is deception. In some way, people are deceived and they need to be shown the truth. And so that's what our call is. But that doesn't mean everybody will get saved either because Jesus said people love evil. They love darkness. They don't want to necessarily see either. But he goes, but as for you, Timothy, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and what you firmly believe. You follow the Lord no matter what. It doesn't matter how bad the church looks or how bad the world looks. You continue to do what you know to do. The key is continuing on. Paul goes on to talk about Timothy's childhood. Listen, you were groomed for this, Timothy. From the time you were little, you were taught, you were acquainted with the sacred writings. You, your mom and your grandma, Lois, they, they taught you the scriptures. You heard the word. You're acquainted with it. And some of you are only acquainted with sacred writings, but you need to make that personal your own. The word of God is not written to somebody else. It's written to you. And if you read it as if it's written to somebody else, you're going to miss a whole bunch of stuff. It's written to you. And God has groomed you. 
He has groomed you. He's, he's brought people in your life and he is, you know, people have scattered seed of the word in your life throughout your whole life so that you can see and hear who he is. And when you become a believer, now it's up to you to continue in learning, in growing, and in, in believing what the word of God says. It's not enough to just believe once. It's a continual believing in the word of God. And in fact, the depth of your belief should get deeper and deeper and deeper. If you're still at the same place you were when you first believed, something's wrong. Something's wrong. You, the word of God hasn't, you, you haven't taken the word of God seriously or something's wrong. And that's what you should be considering. Like, hey, what in the world Maybe you're not continuing in what you learned and what you firmly believed once. If you do, not only will it make you wise to salvation for yourself, but then you'll be able to share that so that other people can be wise to salvation for themselves. Paul is telling Timothy, you, you need to continue in these things, Timothy. It's more vital than you realize. Verse 16, he goes on, and now he talks about, uh, you know, for, he goes on from the, the continuing and what we've le- learned and believed to, to now talking about the word of God itself. He says, he wants Timothy to understand where the origin of the word is from. And he says in verse 16, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be um, complete, equipped for every good work. How many of you guys have ever memorized this verse? So maybe like a, a third of you guys have memorized this verse. This was one of the first verses I ever memorized. It is one of the most important verses in the Bible. Why? Because it tells us where the Bible came from. Contrary to popular belief, the scripture was not written by man. It was transcribed by man. And God used man's, you know, personality, but every word is inspired by God. And this is a truth that has been the anchor of Christianity from forever, but it's being completely challenged in these last days, isn't it? Even from pulpits, people are saying, yeah, I don't, this isn't really God's word. It's just kind of God's word. It's man's kind of idea of what God's word would be. If it were God's word, then it's not. And you're like, why are you wasting your time then? Why would you waste your time? If you don't believe this is God's word, why would you waste your time? You want to feel good and follow some sort of uh, you know, religious regime? Is that why? This is what it, th- these kind of people, they have a form of godliness but deny its power because they don't fully believe in the word of God. And that's why many, many churches divert from teaching the word of God because a lot of people don't believe it. You know what? If there's only a few people here but they all believe in the word of God, I'm good with that because I have nothing interesting to say outside of what this says. And in fact, anything I'm gonna say is never gonna change your life. It's never gonna change your life. This will change your life, why? Because it's God-breathed. It is not, it's not man-breathed, it's God-breathed. 
Can you imagine Paul writing this verse? Think about that for a second. He's in prison. And he says, all scripture is God-breathed. All of it. Do you think he was writing, do you think he knew that he was writing scripture in the moment when he wrote that? I don't think he did. I don't think he was like, all scripture is God-breathed that's coming through me right now. I don't think he understood that. But I think he believed it. Here's what I'm saying. Sometimes we're so unaware of what God is doing in our life that we totally miss that it's him doing it. And we think this is just an ordinary letter to my son in the faith that I'm just trying to encourage him to, to, to stay the course because I'm not going to be here to tell him myself. And he misses that perhaps the thing that he just wrote is the thing that he's is, is, is the very thing that he's, he's writing out, he's transcribing in the moment. Listen, God is doing far more than you realize in your life. You know what? You just keep your, 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 your bearings correct and you just keep going straight and you just let him move. I think we don't need to get hung up on trying to help God out with his work. You are... You are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which he created beforehand that you should walk in. You don't have to help him out. All you gotta do is just, just Lord, just put me right in the middle and just push me and I'll just go. <laughs> and you're like, well, look what he's doing, man. It's so awesome. It is awesome when you start to take note of it because he's using you in ways you don't even realize. Paul wants Timothy to understand that he can trust the word because it's not written by man, it's written by God. And I want you to know this morning that you can trust his word. Uh, it's not written by man. It is transcribed by man and it is profitable in four specific ways. And I'm not gonna break them down. You understand them, teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. Listen, this the word of God prepares a man Internally, externally, and eternally. The word of God prepares you for every circumstance and situation that you'll find yourselves in when it says that all who desire to live a godly life will suffer persecution. Listen, the word of God will prepare you internally, externally, and eternally. If you just stay stuck on the word, you know the word, you let the word breathe and live out through your life, the circumstances, you'll navigate through the circumstances through the word of God. The problem is that many people don't believe that the word of God is profitable. All of us in this room would say it's profitable. Oh yeah, the word of God is profitable. Well, how well do you know it? I mean, do you know it? Do you know his word? Do you read his word? Listen, if you spend less time reading about God's word and reading his word, you'll see what I mean. And why do I say that? Because a lot of times we as Christians, we don't read the Bible, but we read books about the Bible. We read, and I'm not saying that that doesn't have a place, because it does. There's some mentorship in, in reading other people's 
um, you know, how God has used them and, and his word to transform their lives. I'm not saying that that doesn't have a place. This has a place even here today as delivering a sermon from God's word. But that isn't your primary uh, source of learning. Your primary source of learning should just be to crack open this sucker by yourself and just know it and read it. Well, I don't know. Can I do that? Listen, <laughs> you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. He's the teacher. You can do it. And if you, if you do do it, you'll see the value of what the Word of God will do in your life. It is incredibly profitable. And, you know, we should seek it like we seek treasure. In the Word of God, it is alive and active and sharper than a two-edged sword, and it will speak right into your life. Don't read other books as your primary source of learning, maybe your secondary source of learning, but let the Bible be the primary source of your learning and your believing. You, you, want, you know what's so cool? Is when you do that and you, you're reading something and you're just like, oh man, this is so interesting that the Lord showed me this. And then, and then you go and what, you pop on Blue Letter Bible and you're reading David Guzik's commentary and you're just like, whoa, that's what he said too. Well, you know why? Because you have the same teacher. You, you have the same teacher as the Holy Spirit. You should arrive at the same conclusion, right? So, so test the waters in that. Let the Lord speak through his word. You'll find that it is incredibly profitable for teaching, for, for reproof, for correction, for training, and righteousness. Listen, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And the way that we get going is we stay steadfast in this. And you just follow the Lord and he will see you through. Amen? Father, we thank you for your word this morning and thank you for just revealing these important truths to us, Lord. And we ask you to work in our lives even right now in these last few moments, Lord, as we close in this song. Lord, will you, will you help us to settle whatever issues need to be settled here this morning? We want to just give ourselves over to you, Lord, one more time. And we ask you, Father, to um, use what was, what was said here this morning. Use your word in our lives to teach us, to reproof us, to correct us, to train us. For righteousness' sake, Lord, that your name would be glorified. We ask you this morning, Father, for every saint in this place, Lord, that you would put it on our desire to know the word of God more. Lord, even if we're in love with the word, may we fall that much more in love with the word because it will cause us to fall that much more in love with you. So we just ask you to come now in these last moments by your Holy Spirit, speak into our lives, and just continue to transform us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, will you stand with us? Listen, we're going to close in a song. There's some people down here that will pray with you. If you don't know the Lord... Come forward today and talk to one of these guys. They will lead you in a prayer to help you come to that place of knowing and believing in Jesus Christ. It is the best decision you'll ever make. But, but come on down. There's some prayer. Let's just uh, close in a song here.
God bless you guys. Have a great week.